welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. We don't see a lot of things coming, let's be honest. But I want to speak over our church. I see champions rising. I see mighty men, mighty women of faith coming out of this house. I see as we come out of COVID-19, I see more people in the house of God. I see families restored. I see young people getting on fire for God. I see... See, I I just don't want to talk about the bad things. I need to talk about the great things. I I see business people going, man, that idea didn't work, but I'm going to run with something else. I see people working with character and gifting. I see people honoring God with their finances so that their heart and their homes are thriving. I see people responding to the call of God to preach. I see people stepping up into new realms of leadership and, and, and service. I see people making a difference everywhere. I see, I see musicians writing songs. I see authors writing books. I see a, a, an army rising. I see the greatest days ahead for this house, Church Alive. I see vision in the hearts and minds of men. I see people getting off addictions if they humble themselves and place themselves in the right environment. I see a move of God coming. I see a move of God coming. Come on, Church Alive, let's stand to our feet. We don't see everything coming. You know, sometimes when you're seeing everything else happen, when you're seeing bad things happen, sometimes you need to start declaring what you don't see right now, but what you want to see. Can I get an amen? Sometimes when finances aren't the way you think it's going to be, you've got to stop t- talking about what it is. Sometimes when your health isn't what you think it's going to be, you've got to start talking about what's going to be. Can I get a good amen? You know, when our church was 37 people, do you know that I kept on talking to our church about our church being many, many people? And honestly, I sounded ridiculous. I looked around and even as I would say it sometimes in the back of my head, I was like, God, are you sure? But I had to keep on speaking faith. And can I say to you today that you and I need to keep on speaking faith. You and I need to keep on speaking faith. Let me say again, you and I need to keep on speaking faith. Keep on speaking the promises of God. David said, I would have fainted had I not believed that I would see the goodness of God. He says, in the land of the living. I want us to pray today. And I believe that this is going to impact lives. And welcome if you're online. I know there was a couple of technical challenges, but hopefully you hung in there with us. That's why you need to show up to church. Yeah, I, but, but Pastor Anthony, I like online because I can, I can focus more on my couch. I don't believe you. But I'm glad you're here anyway. Someone, uh, actually my wife just told me we were praying for a woman who got diagnosed with cancer. And uh, literally the lady just walked up to my wife and just said, hey, we were praying for my mom and uh, there's no cancer. So come on, can we give that a praise? 
Another guy in our transform group, one of our leaders, Derek Spencer, literally got diagnosed with cancer a month ago. There's no cancer anymore. Someone else praising God there. Health is coming together. Someone else, there's a little baby on here on the praise report. Was uh, Winter Marvel out of the hospital. Come on. One of the other guys in our transform group lost some weight. One of the others paid off $6,500 of credit card debt. One of the other guys restored his marriage. And so just some great things happening in the house of God. Come on, can we give Noelia a ridiculous hand for that? word. What a word. How many of you feel like that dog sometimes just hanging on to your Frisbee and the Lord's like, release it, release it. <laughs> you know you do. That's right. You know you do. None of this is in my notes, but let's just keep, let's keep going. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you. We love you. We thank you. You love us more. And Holy Spirit, I ask for your presence right here, every man, every woman. Flow through your servant. Flow through this technology. Help it stop giving us problems. Father, I pray today for every person, everyone watching online, Lord, those who listen later, those that have to hear this word again, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch them in a real way. Lord, take this message and let it impart life and strength into people. Let a fire be born in the hearts of men. Let things that need to shape off them and shift off them, shift off. Lord, I rely on you. I need you. Your people need you. Breathe on this place, I pray. Let dead dreams come to life. Let fear be literally broken in the power in the name of Jesus. And let faith be born in the hearts and minds of men and women in Jesus' name. And a faith-filled, good-looking group of people said, come on, give the Lord a hand. Why don't you go ahead? Brenda De Silva, by the way, good to see you, man. I just saw you just in the crowd there. Anyway, grab your seat, grab your seat. Brendan, you look like a dental technician. even though you're a real estate agent. Do you remember the first time you got a pair of shades? Do you remember that moment? I don't. <laughs> Tricked you. But here's what I do remember. I remember about that high school age when you'd wear shades. And how many know that when you put on shades and you're about around middle school and high school, you felt cooler? Oh, yeah. And sometimes you look at people, and because you're wearing shades, you don't even know if they don't know you're looking at them, so you look at them, and you're not sure whether you talk to them. And I remember many times, maybe I'm weird, but I remember many times acting different where I w- and I'd wear sunglasses. I'd act different. I'd act cooler. I'd kind of walk around like I was the man. Why? Because I'd put something over my eyes. I know, it's a little bizarre, and I'm sharing more information than I should. But how many know what I'm talking about? You just felt like you were a little bit cooler. I remember my first pair of expensive sunglasses. I went shopping with this one girl from Liberty University, wasn't dating, was just a friend, uh, just clarifying that one. <laughs> and we go to the mall, 
And I put on this pair of shades. It was really expensive. It was like a $140 pair of shades. She looks at me and goes, wow, you have to buy those glasses. It was way over my budget. But when a girl looks at you and says, wow, you have to buy those glasses, how many know you probably should buy them? So I was like, yes, sir. I'm buying them right now. Bought those glasses. Well, I lost them within a year. Then I bought another expensive pair of sunglasses, a pair of Nikes, looked a little bit the same. I decided I wasn't going quite as expensive. And then I was walking through an airport. I was fixing my bags. I put down my sunglasses. I left them on a bench for about 30 seconds. I walked away. I was like, oh my gosh, my shades. I run back. Someone had stolen them. That was the last time I bought expensive sunglasses. I buy now $14.99 sunglasses. Have you with me? How many been there at Marshalls and go, you know what? That's the way it is. How many have been on the way to the beach? You stop in maybe to get a little Starbucks and there's those sunglasses staring at you. Two for $30. You're like, yes, I'm going to buy those. That's basically what I buy. Why am I talking to you about that? Here's what I know about shades. The world looks different when you wear them. And here's the thing. Every single one of us are wearing shades. Every single one of us has a life perspective. Every single one of us looks through a lens, don't we? We look through a a shade. We look through life with our experiences. We look through life with our education. We look through life with our blessings. We look through life with our setbacks sometimes. Sometimes you look through life through your troubles. Sometimes you look through life through your trials Sometimes you look through life through your giftedness, whether you're gifted in certain areas or not. You look through life through your family background, don't you? You look through life through your ethnicity. You look through life through your beliefs. You look through life through the news stations you listen to, the social media you follow, the hashtags that you hashtag. You and I look through life through all of these lenses. All of these color the way we see the world. And here's what I want you to know. We're all wearing shades. But are you wearing the shades God wants you to wear? Genesis chapter 3 verse 5, God's, uh, sorry, the, the, the serpent is literally speaking to Eve and says this to her, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And it was actually true. The devil is great at half truths, isn't he? He's, he's, he's great at giving you a small little glimmer of a picture, but then he fails to give you the full story. Failed to give her the full story that her desires would be opened. Her, her, he failed to tell her that this cosmic portal inviting evil into the world would come in. I think of It's kind of the Marvel movies and there would be times when all of a sudden this cosmic portal would be open and these bad things would come into the world. And that's what I picture when when Adam and Eve ate of the apple. What happened is this cosmic portal came in and all of a sudden they lost dominion and they lost relationship, didn't they? The devil wanted to give her a new lens. And ever since that day, we've been picking up and putting down and changing our lenses. I've been reading recently the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings. 1 Kings and 2 Kings is a lesson in leadership. It's a lesson in life. It's a lesson in blessing. And it's a lesson, lesson really in character. It's a lesson that trouble happens. It's a lesson that if you think politics is bad now, you should read First and Second Kings. There is assassinations. There are coups. There are wars all the time. Actually, peace is the rarity, not the normal. 
hear me again, if you know about the history of the world, peace is a rarity, not a normal. And that's why peace must be actually defended many times by the strong. In 1 Kings and 2 Kings, you realize this, that God has a pair of shades. That He sees the world and He looks at it and it, 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 it doesn't distort the way He sees the world. It's not dirty. It's never diluted. But here's what God will do. He will speak about a certain king and he will summarize his life often in one sentence. I wonder if God was to summarize your life in one sentence and my life, what would that be? 1 Kings chapter 15 verse 11, God speaks about a king by the name of King Asa. He says this, King Asa did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight as his father David had done. That was basically the summation of how God saw King Asa. He said, you please me. But over and over again in 1 Kings, you will actually see that the primary or the most kings did not please God. 1 Kings chapter 16 says this, But Omri did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Here's what I want you to think about today. We all see the world in a certain way. We all see the, the life in a certain way. But if God is going to summarize your life by a sentence one day, what do you want that to be? Like if you're wearing shades and God's wearing different shades, would you like God to remove your shades so you can see it the way He sees you? Would you like God to literally put His shades so you can begin to see His perspective over your life? Come on, just because you've got a patch over your face doesn't mean you can't say amen. <laughs> oh, I don't know about you, but I'm done with masks. Don't even get me started. I don't want to get off my notes. <clears throat> I was at the park recently. I shared this with some of our team leaders recently. I was at the park. I was taking my kids to the park. We went for a bike ride. Then we went to um, the slide and so forth. My kids, my youngest two, my daughters, were playing. And uh, my son all of a sudden bumps into five people he'd never met before, but all of a sudden they're playing tag, and they're like, hey, you want to play tag? And so they start playing tag, and they knew each other, and my son didn't know them. And, and two of them were very, just feisty is the best way I can describe it. I was watching my two daughters, but I was also watching my son, and, and my son, to be honest, is a very confident kid. He's a popular kid. He just is. He's an athletic kid. And so I don't normally have to worry about him, but I was noticing that these five little kids we kind of seemed to be ganging up, like he was in and he was having some heel problems so he couldn't run as fast as he normally could. And so he was trying to play tag and he's the in guy, but, but he couldn't really catch them. And so they're kind of starting to tease him. And as a dad, I wanted to just rip out their throat. And, um, but I'm just watching, right? I'm calm about it. I'm watching. I'm observing. I'm looking. And I wasn't loving the way it was going. And then all of a sudden it seemed to be going fine. And then later it seemed to be not going fine. And then this is going on for about 10 or 15 minutes. At one point, I'm watching, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, do I be the dad that jumps in, or do I not? Because it wasn't going that well. And then one of the kids says to, was saying something to my son, and then my daughter walked by. Then he says to my daughter, oh, is that your girlfriend? My daughter's nine. I was like, oh, hell no. 
I went from calm, Anthony observing the situation, to like, I've had enough. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's about to get crazy. I really did. I- I'm not even kidding. I said, you six, come here, right now. Have you ever been shouted at by a father when you're 11? How many know that's scary? I know, look, I'm a nice person. I'm positive. But not when you mess with my daughter. I'm not positive. I'm not nice. I'm mean. I will make you eat dog turds. So I get six, I say, you six, come here right now. And they're like, uh, me? Yes, all of you little devils, come here. I get them close and I say, listen, I don't mind a little smack talk. I see what you're doing with my son. But I looked at her, them and said, as soon as you talk about my little daughter, it's about to go bad. <laughs> I looked at them and said, I am very unimpressed and one of them was like, I, I say nothing. Oh, and he was the one that I wanted to just, <laughs> just body slam into the ground. I was shaking internally. I was not calm. See, he thought everything was okay, didn't he? He thought, he literally said this, I didn't do anything. But I knew different. The father was watching, observing And he's like, no, 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 I can't hang with this. I'm not putting up with this. And here's what happens in Scripture. Paul has one of these moments with the church. Paul has a dad moment with the church of Galatian. He has a moment where all of a sudden he's putting on a lens and he says, wait, I can put up with some things, but you are not going to pervert the essence of the gospel. You're not going to change it. You're not going to bring it back culturally to what was. He literally says to them, listen, it's important what you believe. Say that with me. It's important what you believe. Say it again. It's important what I believe. See, I I don't know if we know this, and I don't even know if I've internalized this all the way sometimes, is that people have actually died to give you the faith that you and I have. People have paid the price. People have literally, the guy that wrote the, the, the Latin Bible into the English, which was the King James Version at the time, he got killed. So that you and I can read Scripture, so you and I can come to church, and sometimes like, should I go to church or should I not? And the guy that got killed to give you a Bible, Like, can you imagine going to heaven one day and like, hey, what'd you do? He's like, I got killed for writing the Bible. You're like, what'd you do? It's like, well, I, I served like once in my life. How would that conversation go? It might go a little like Lecrae, don't want to waste my life, right? Galatians 1 verse 6 and 7 says this. Paul normally takes quite a bit of time to teach and correct the church. Galatians chapter 1, he's like frustrated. He's mad. He's literally like, no, 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 I've had enough. And Galatians 1 says this. He says, I am astonished. He says that 
You are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace. Someone say the grace. The grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Gospel simply means good news. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. What actually happened was they had started out well. I'm not sure if you can read this from a distance, but this says believe. Someone say believe. They'd started out really well. They had started out believing upon the, the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus dying on a cross for them. And their life was like, man, this is the important thing. And then somehow culturally, because of most of their background were Jewish people, their culture had kind of been like, no, 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 I need to, I need to bring you back to some old regulations, really, is what they said. They, they literally were saying, hey, you need to believe upon Jesus and get circumcised. How many thankful that's not the case? They need to believe upon Jesus and, and, and do the feast. They need to believe upon Jesus and, and, and. And what was happening was they put on a gospel of extra. It was Jesus and extra. It was Jesus and works. It was something other than the essence of what the gospel is. And the gospel is the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. It really is at the end of the day. See, Christianity is so often known for what you don't do instead of Christ. And the risen Christ and the resurrected Christ. And, oh, you don't do that anymore because you're a Christian. And so, so often Christianity is known by what you don't do instead of the simplicity and the supremacy that Jesus has literally made you a son and daughter of the Most High God. But Paul says this to them, that you are being led astray by people who are trying to make you their disciple. They wanted their influence. They wanted their, they wanted their leadership. They wanted their fellowship. And so they started adding a bunch of things. Now, here's the interesting thing. I've never had anyone come up to me and be like, Anthony, now that I accepted Jesus, do I need to get circumcised? And I'm thankful for that. I've never had different people say, man, I need to, do I need to go to Jerusalem now? Do I, need to, do I need to? See, that was their cultural problem. But how many know that you and I have different cultural problems than that cultural problem? And so what was actually happening was they were bringing their culture and they were superseding their culture over the message of Christ instead of bringing their culture under the message of Christ. And this, I believe, is the great challenge many times for the Christian. See, many of you obviously were born in America. Some were born in other countries. I was born in Australia. And many times it is cultural Christianity or a version of Christianity that seems like it adds a little bit of Christ, but then you, you're Australian. I'm an Aussie, so I drink a lot. I'm an Aussie, so I swear a lot. I'm an Aussie, so, you know, I'm laid back, man. See, my Australian-ness has some cool things to it. Aussies drink a lot. Aussies swear a lot. Aussies are like, when's the government going to fix it? Just a warning from... Communism and socialism. Aussies have a mindset that I've often had to reject the mindset of my Australianness. And here's the truth that you sitting here today, doesn't matter what your cultural background is, you will have to bring your culture, 
your upbringing, your family background, your ethnicity, your morality, you will have to bring it under the supremacy of Christ. You will have to bring it under that, not over it. And what actually happens at this time of life, I would say this, that there are so many people, especially because politics is coming up, and see, people in politics love to do identity politics. They want to group you into a certain identity so that they can influence you. That happens all the time. And what was actually happening here was the exact same thing. They were trying to gather the Jews to themselves and say, yes, it's Jesus, but yes, it's these other things. And then what happened was Jewish people were made to separate from the Gentiles. But how many know that Jesus destroyed the separation between the Jew and the Gentile? He destroyed it. There is no barrier now. But then even Peter, who walked with Jesus, he then begins to fear the Jewish people and he begins to treat Gentiles different. And so the apostle Paul actually rebukes him in front of everyone. He doesn't even go sandwich on him, the sandwich method of correcting people, sandwich tell them the good things about themselves, tell them what they need to change, and then tell them the good things about themselves. Anyone ever had that before? It's good. I like it. Paul goes hardcore on Peter. He's literally like, you're being a hypocrite. And Peter could have been like, I walked on water, man. Like, back off. I was there casting demons out. I was the, I was the, I was the revelator of who Jesus was. You remember? He called me the rock. Not the rock rock, but the rock. And so what was actually happening was Peter's culturalness, his Jewishness was interfering with following Jesus. I know that's never happened to you. Your culturalness, your family background, your ethnicity, your gender, your richness or poorness have never ever stopped you following the essence and the wonder of Jesus. I know because you're perfect. But how many know that perhaps if the water walker got it wrong, maybe you and I got it wrong sometimes? See, I just want to point you back to this simple, simple thought. I want you to know that what you believe is very, very important. But I want to give you this phrase that I hope sticks with you. And it's my second point today. It's this. The power of the Christian life is found in the simplicity of believing. The power of the Christian life isn't in your discipline. The power of the Christian life isn't in your performance. The power of the Christian life. See, all of those things are good and they actually help you find Christ. But the power of the Christian life is found in the simplicity of believing that Jesus is the Son of God. And because He's the Son of God, I am now a little ass son. And I'm in the child of God. And then what God says is interesting Paul Paul unpacks this. He says, listen, you're not just a child of God. He says, you're an heir. And I don't believe that many of us, and that includes me, as I was reading this this week, I'm like, wait, why does he say I'm a child of God? And then he even goes further. He says, you're an heir. Now, most of you in this room probably aren't heirs. But I hope you know what it means. It means if you're an heir, it means mom and dad have a lot of money. That's really what it means. They're either royal or they are a billionaire and you are an heir to an incredible inheritance. Are you with me? Hear me again. If I am not just a son, but I'm an heir, 
the air is, I have one day access to everything that God has. And what Paul does is he lifts up this, the simpleness of what Jesus did on the cross for you, but also the supremacy of what Jesus did on the cross for you, simply found through this constant lens, not a one-time lens of believing. So you're like, Anthony, I'm trying. No, 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 stop trying. Believe. Feed your faith so that you can believe. Why do you need worship? Because it helps you believe. Why do you need the Word? Because it helps you believe. Why do you need to get around other Christians? Because it helps you believe. Why? It is your believing that gives you access to His presence. It is your believing that gives you access to freedom. It is your believing and my believing that gives me access to all that God has for me. So I don't just need to work harder. I need to believe more. See, sometimes we're too smart for our own good, aren't we? Give me the deep stuff, Pastor Anthony. And the Apostle Paul would say, here's deep. Believe that you're a son or a daughter and believe you're an heir and that your rightness or right relationship with God is actually out of that. And all of us deal with this culturally that it wants to elevate something else other than that. But I think that Paul would tell us time and time again, listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 4. He says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who now calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Someone say, I'm an heir. Come on, say, I'm an heir. What does it mean to be an heir? I'm not talking oxygen, people. I'm talking an heiress or an heir that is a a person who will receive incredible blessing. And he says it comes through the simplicity, the simplicity of faith in Christ. See, what happens culturally is we, we clothe ourselves with everything else. But Paul says, no, you're to clothe yourself with Christ. What's the essence of the gospel? What's the essence of Christianity? It's clothed with Christ. It's connected to Christ on a very, very regular basis, minute by minute. Are you getting any of this? And then I want to point to something else. Well, let me tell this story quick. I was watching Kung Fu Panda the other day. It's just a funny way to start a story, really, isn't it? I was watching Kung Fu Panda. It was me and my wife's date night. No, I'm kidding. It was actually just the kids were watching it. And you ever just jump into a scene and all of a sudden you're like, <sighs> Kung Fu Panda is the appointed one. I don't know if you know the story, but there's these fabulous five little warriors and they are beasts, but there's this enemy called Tai Lung and Tai Lung wants to become the dragon warrior. But somehow this weird turtle who's, who's kind of like, who's the little green man from Star Wars, Yoda, right? He's basically the Yoda. 
And this turtle, he comes on down and he tells this little fox, which is Shifu, and he's the master and he's training them. And he's like, no, the panda's going to be the Kung Fu Panda. And Kung Fu Panda doesn't believe it. He's like, no, there's no way. And he's, and he's big and he's not athletic. And, and there's no way really he can do it. And Shifu has to get to the point where he believes that Kung Fu Panda can be someone. And there's this amazing moment in the movie where all of a sudden they go up to this place where it was the dragon scroll and they opened the dragon scroll and the dragon scroll was meant to give you this secret and it was meant to make you invincible and you could do anything. You're like, yes! And one person was allowed to read it, no one else was allowed to read it. And all of a sudden, Panda opens the scroll it's blank. There's literally nothing there. And then all of a sudden, he's so confused, he literally goes back to his dad. And his dad for years has been making this soup, and he's been telling him that one day he'll tell him the simple ingredient of the soup. And then finally he does. He says, listen, there is no simple ingredient. It's, it's powerful if you believe it. And then all of a sudden, Panda has this eye-opening belief moment where he's literally like, wait, if I just believe I'm the dragon warrior, I will be the dragon warrior? Like, and then Tai Lung comes and basically scares him, but somehow there's this moment where all of a sudden he just kind of puts on this faith moment and, and Tai Lung, who's this warrior that can beat up thousands of people, literally punches him and he just kind of absorbs it with his body and just goes... Let me do that one more time. He absorbs it. And then all of a sudden, dialogue just flies off. And it was the simplicity of believing. Power was released when he believed. Access, freedom is there if you believe. The goodness of God is there when you believe. When you start adding everything else to your faith, adding everything else to your Christianity, that's where we get kind of burdened and complex. And, but can we just bring it back to the simplicity? Can we bring it back to the simplicity of just believing? And let me share one other thought because I'm running out of time. <clears throat> I want to stay with Paul, but I had to kind of mention this one guy. Daniel... is an incredible man in the Old Testament who influences four kings for God. I don't know if you know the story. It's one of those famous ones. If you grew up in church, you'd know it. It's Daniel in the lion's den. And Daniel gets saved in the lion's den, right? But here's what's interesting. These governmental officials want to control the land. Strange. That's never happened before. These governmental officials want to control the land. They want power, but Daniel has the power, so they want to trap him, and they set a trap, and they say, listen, if you worship anything else, anything else other than this one king, if you worship anything else, we will literally feed you to a den of lions. How many know that if, you, if they lower you into a den of lions, you die 100%? That's, it's not like at the zoo, like shake your leg in there and see if the lion runs up. No, go into a den at nighttime because lions are night creatures. That's when they hunt. So when you get thrown into a den of lions, I mean, no, you're dead. And here's what's interesting. I want you to, point, I want you to see this today. 
Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Open windows. Someone say open windows. Open towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now, if, if, if you were Daniel's friend, wouldn't you go, Daniel, let's be smart. Let's close our window. God still hears you. If you were Daniel's friend, wouldn't you say, Daniel, you know you can pray quietly, Daniel. You don't have to pray out loud anymore. Let's be safe. Do you want to go to the lion's den? And I have to think to myself as I'm reading this, that for some reason God is impressed with faith. And I know everyone's telling you to be safe, but God is impressed with faith. And I know that, I know that everyone's like, shh, be quiet and, and, and do this and don't talk about Jesus. And I know everyone's like, listen, there's a, I just don't even want to go into it. I hope you're hearing this. Let me show you the line again. Daniel 6 verse 10 says this. He goes to just as he had done before. Let me suggest to you, Church Alive, what we need to do. We need to go back to our church just as we had done before. We need to go back to our church like we had done before. Because now if I, again, with the simplicity of if I'm susceptible to sickness or very old, I wouldn't do that. But let me just say this. It seems that God didn't tell Daniel, go be safe. And I don't find anywhere in Scripture where God's like, listen, just protect yourself for the rest of your life with a mask. All I find Him saying time and time again is, don't be afraid. I'm with you. 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 Don't be afraid. He says, I'm with you. If your life is in Christ, He says, I'm with you. The supremacy and the simplicity of Christ. He says, I'm with you. 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 Do you believe that He's with you? Do you believe? That is with you. Do you believe that is with you? You need to start declaring it in private. You need to start declaring it in your home. He is with you. You are a son, but not even just a son. You're an heir of God. And He is with you. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Let me end with this story. Ravi Zachariah, one of the greats of the faith, passed away with cancer, 74 years old. And he used to go to Muslim nations and would speak in places where his life was in danger. And he simply said this, and I remember being impressed by it. He simply said this. He says, if God wants me dead, really there's nothing I can do. But he said, but if God wants me alive, really there's nothing they can do. And that's just how he lived his life. If God wants you dead... You're in big trouble. But if God wants you alive, 
that there's nothing they can do. We are more than conquerors. Come on, we need a faith in our church that is alive, that is active, that is doing what we did before. That is, that is perhaps we come out of COVID-19 bolder than we were, stronger than we were, more faith than we had before. Let a stronger church come out of COVID-19. Let a more praying church, let a more dependent church, let a more simple church. The essence is Christ. He's with us. Would you close your eyes for a moment? Father, I thank you for every person here, those standing, those sitting, those watching online. Father, I pray for them today. I pray for us today. For the simplicity and the power of believing. Release believing in this church. Release believing in this place. Release believing in this place. Release believing in this place. Let faith in the person of Christ be what we're clothed with. You may be here today. Maybe it's been a long time since you've talked to God and you know you're far away. Maybe you're watching online and you've never said yes to Jesus, never said yes to the person of Christ. And I want to simply invite you today to say yes to Him, to say yes to Him with all your heart because He gave all of His life to have all of your heart. He wants to call you a son and daughter of the Most High God. He wants to say you are my heir to the blessings of Abraham. I want to walk with you. Is the, is the cry of the Father. Doesn't mean it's perfect, doesn't mean it's easy, but He's with you. He's got a purpose for your life. He loves you. He has a plan for you. So I want to pray for you right now. If you don't know Christ or you know you've ran away or fell away, slipped away, I want to pray for you today to just surrender again on the simplicity of believing. Come on, pray this prayer with me, Church Alive. Those watching online, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for the finished work of the cross. Holy Spirit, make that come alive now. I receive you by faith. I am a child of God. I'm an heir of God. I can now freely walk with God. I turn to you. I trust in you. May I never be the same. In Jesus' name. With your eyes closed, those who meant business with God in this place or online, would you quickly raise your hand, raise it up high in this place. Raise it up nice and high. Thank you, sir. Anyone else today? Raise up your hand. Raise it up high. Thank you, sir. That's awesome. Anyone else today? Raise up your hand. Raise it up high in this place. Thank you, ma'am, in the back there. That's awesome. Those of you online, don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. Don't shut off on these moments. Father, I pray for every hand. Pray for every heart, every life. In the awesome and majestic name of Jesus, may eyes open today in such a unique way. Fill your people now with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with faith. Fill them with purpose. Fill them with meaning. Fill them with destiny, God. Let a new courage be born on the inside. I pray in Jesus' name.
Come on, if you receive God's word, why don't we give him praise just for a moment? Wow, that was such an amazing word. You know, as he was preaching, I started thinking about that phrase that you hear a lot. Faith is believing in something you don't see. Fear is also believing in something you don't see. Which one will you choose? And so choose to believe that you are an heir of God's kingdom and of what God has for you. So, hey, for those of you who raised your hand, we have a gift for you. If you're placing your faith in Jesus for the first time or if you're recommitting and you've never put your hands on these books, and even if you've been a Christian for a long time but you want to pick up one of these books, we have this available for anyone. Even if you're online, you can go ahead and text Seven, connect seven to 97,000. We have so many codes. Connect seven to 97,000. We will mail one of these to you. But right now, if you are in person, you can go to our right, our next steps area, and we have this gift available for you. Uh, don't forget, on Tuesday, you can register to be back with us on Sunday for one of our three services. And ladies, we will see you here either Tuesday or Wednesday. I know registrations have filled up already. They filled up real quick, but you can watch online if you didn't have a chance to register. Hey, let's pray that indoor gathering restrictions go up soon. Amen. So that we can have all of us together again soon. There are masks available for sale. Church Alive ones right at our Next Steps counter there. Love you all. God bless you. See you real soon. Ladies, see you Tuesday or Wednesday. Bye-bye.